here this morning. Appreciate you uh, taking time uh, to come. And so uh, we're doing a Sunday school that's kind of a, uh, put together at the last moment, just capturing the, some of the issues. Um, and this has to do with the recent outbreak of uh, uh, violence in the Middle East uh, that began in early May between the Palestinian Authority and uh, Israel. And uh, as you know, if you're a Bible believer, that uh, these are uh, uh, major issues uh, and they point to prophecy and uh, there's a biblical reference point uh, to what we're doing. And so uh, uh, we, we are paying attention to that. And, uh, you know, this is not an attempt just to be political at all and, uh, or anything like that or knee-jerk, but uh, it just reminds you that all these things that are in the Bible are true and they have a biblical root. And so uh, where have we been? We spent the first Sunday just laying out the scriptural uh, reference point that this all comes down to the promises. In fact, why don't you pull up Genesis uh, 12, one through three, and you can get that verse for us uh, this morning while I'm talking. And uh, it, it, this goes back to the fact that God gave the land that we now call Israel to Abraham. He gave that to him a long time ago. He reiterated it three times. You can go through the whole uh, story of Genesis. It's all about the land. And so it's very important if you understand the present conflict that's going on, it's not about religion. It has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with land. It has to do with the fact that God gave Abraham that land. They hold title deed to that land and through the years, as we know, in the middle of famine, Jacob moved his, uh, him and his small family uh, to Egypt because his son Joseph had become the prime minister of Egypt, had invited him to come stay with them, look after them in the famine. And, uh, you know, whether that was in uh, uh, Jacob's mind a temporary fix, it wasn't temporary. They ended up being there over 400 years. And, uh, uh, generation or two after Joseph had died. Uh, he was long forgotten. There was a regime change and the Jews found themselves uh, uh, enslaved by Egypt and under horrible oppression. Long comes Moses who leads them back to the land that God promised them that if you were to go back to Exodus uh, to the word of God, uh, uh, the famous story where uh, Moses goes to the burning bush, God's instructions were I'm going to get you to lead them to a land that flows with milk and honey. It's a story of the land. It's Joshua taking the land. It's the book of Judges as they uh, relate to the land and those who are there who don't want them in the land. And, and on we go. And so that's the narrative of the Bible. It's land. And that continued all the way through to this day where it's still the claim of the Palestinian people that we are uh, no different than the, the North American Indians uh, who when Columbus arrived and the Europeans arrived and they pushed us off our land. We are uh, no different than the African uh, people in South Africa who were enslaved by the Europeans who came and, and this narrative. And what caught my eye, uh, inspired this quick Sunday school was watching how quickly uh, that narrative has been captured that these are oppressed people. And, and so what we're doing is looking at it factually. So secondly, we talked about the, uh, made the case, and I'm not gonna redo all this. Fortunately, there's video of all this, uh, that, that uh, when you look at the facts, the facts don't bear that out at all. That uh, since uh, Masada and the last Jewish a community, organized Jewish community was uh, uh, defeated. And uh, uh, at that point on, for 2000 years, Israel seeks to be a nation, but the Jewish people always claimed their homeland. Their term for saying goodbye was next year in Jerusalem. There have always been uh, a small Jewish communities and efforts made. Uh, and historically, you can go back, you can read about this uh, uh, for the last 2,000 years, its Jews have always wanted to go back, talked about going back, and uh, that's always been the case. 
There is no historical record of a Palestinian people. It's not, it's not true. The Palestinian terminology is a very recent term. The idea that there were inhabitants of the land, these are people who lived there, made their life there, identified with that, is not true at all. Uh, what you had is uh, various Arab groups from around the region who would go there from time to time, uh, but there was never any people group. There was no flag, there was no capital, there was no unique language or anything like that. Any, any way that you would define an, or a civilization, none of that has come to be. Uh, and yet, uh, that emerged, uh, uh, just quickly moving through this, uh, when Israel became a nation in 1948, and as Israel became a nation, uh, and there were four major battles fought, 1956, nations with a population well over 50 million people and so there was a change of strategy it was no longer going to be uh, uh we have the strength and we can defeat you uh they totally flipped the script instead it became we are the underdogs we're the oppressed minority uh the israel is the great power uh, who is abusing these people uh and uh you know using that term to win the the nations um I'm not going to use it today, but uh, we could do a whole Sunday on the United Nations over and over and over again opposing Israel. And it's the idea that these poor Palestinian people have been uh, oppressed. Uh, if you're my age or older, you probably remember back in the early 1970s, uh, they, all the, the uh, 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 skyjackings that were taking place, planes were being hijacked. Uh, over and over again in three one three-day periods five different international planes were hijacked by the Palestinians uh, all of that uh, under the idea that here we're being oppressed we want the world's attention we demand the world's attention the great gas crisis I remember being a 10 year old 11 years old uh, standing on 6th Street in Tucson Arizona I lived on 7 6th Street some main artery in Tucson and watching uh, gas lines that would go back five or six blocks to get gas because in 1973 when the United States supported Israel, the Middle East punished America by squeezing the oil and we went through a severe gas shortage. Nothing uh, has happened in America in 50 years that compares to that, all because of this narrative that Israel is this evil state and oppressing these people and America learned their lesson and said, we need to become energy independent. For the record, we were energy independent two years ago. We're no longer energy independent again uh, and become beholden to these groups. So uh, uh, this narrative uh, it was simply the idea that what we're gonna do is we're gonna create out of whole cloth an oppressed people who uh, uh, we can rally behind and claim that uh, we are for civil rights, not that, uh, you know, the narrative that used to be little Israel fighting the giant Arab states has become the monster Israel and the tiny Palestinian poor oppressed people. And you're hearing this over and over again. And so um, last week you saw a video kind of explaining all that. What I wanna do today, uh, do you have that verse? Yeah, Genesis 12, one through three, if you could put that up. Gilbert, can you read that for us? Uh, just this is our foundation passage for this. But I, as I begin to move into a, a, another area of this uh, story, go ahead. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from the kindred and from thy father's house and unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Okay, so here's the promise of God to Abraham, and he's telling him to leave where he was. At that time, he's in southern Turkey. I want you to come to a land that I'm giving you. This is the, this is, uh, the fundamental issue uh, that God said, here's your title deed. And from that promise... You can go all the way through Genesis, 
whether it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or Joseph, it's always been about the land. With Moses and Joshua, it was always about the land. When they were exiled in Babylon, it was always about returning to the land. This is title deed. And that, that con uh, uh, conflict over that land exists today. And when you read about these and you follow these things, remember, it's still the same battle all the way from the early pages of the book of Genesis. Okay, so uh, what I, I want to do, I'm going to give out a couple of verses. And again, there's a lot of quotations and stuff uh, that I have this morning and little, little stories. And so, um, but I do want to give you a biblical reference point. I need Zechariah 12, verse 2, if you want to, Kim. Uh, uh, Robert, uh, if you'll get Ezekiel 38, 8 through 13. And then Brian, if you'll get uh, Revelation uh, chapter 16, verse 12 through 16. These verses I want to use, uh, and I, I, what I want to do this morning is help you understand that uh, there is an anti-Israeli bias in the world today. There's an anti-Israel bias. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, back in 2006, I actually did a whole Sunday school on the nation of Israel, pretty extensive. But in that, we showed a video we couldn't find. I asked Pastor Gamboa if he could find this video. And it was very, very well done. And it was uh, done kind of exposing the media bias against Israel. We looked, we couldn't find it. Something tells me it's no longer accessible. But they had done a very, very good job, particularly the BBC, Reuters, and AP uh, have a, a very, very strong bias against uh, Israel. Um, and so it was interesting in this recent battle in May that uh, uh, the Palestinians began launching rocket attacks against Israel. I think each one of those rockets cost $40,000 and they launched 3,000 of them. This is a very poor, poor, desperately poor country, but they managed to be able to spend millions and millions of dollars on rockets. Um, uh, but when Israel responded, what they would do is they would track where these rockets were being launched from or where the command and control centers were that directed the attack. And they found uh, one of the command and control centers and they launched an attack. What they would do is they would send a cell phone in. Anybody in that building would get a message from Israel saying, we're about to, about to uh, blow up your building. You might want to leave. Or they said something to that effect. And they blew up this building. And it turned out to be also where AP and Al Jazeera, two very big media centers, had their offices in the same building where they were command and control and launching. So here's the article, put Israel as a, uh, no, the next one, Hamas worked. Hamas worked on a device to disrupt the Iron Dome missile defense system in the same Gaza building that housed the Associated Press and was bombed by Israel during Operation Guarding of the Walls. Ambassador to the UN and US Gilad Erdnan said Monday night, Hamas had intelligence and technological research and development offices in the building Israel struck last month, Erdogan said. Israel gave advance warning for the strike and no one was killed. Uh, that's the, all we need there. They're rubbing together. Okay, thanks. Um, the, um, uh, you know, so, you know, I mean, no, it's not good when the, uh, the enemy you're fighting and the media have uh, share the same office space. And it wasn't a surprise to me that there is, there's an anti-Israel bias. And whenever you look at this type of thing, it's been pretty much figured out that the Palestine, the Palestinian Authority says, what we'll do is we'll attack, they'll attack back, then we will show pictures of children that died, schools that have been hit, and immediately, the world's media responds with what a terrible thing Israel has done. Not because they believe what the Palestinians are saying, but this is the way the game is played. Okay, remember this, and I know this is uh, 
redundant for many of you. But those of you that are under 35, don't ever forget that uh, 6 million Jews were killed in, uh, as a result of uh, Hitler in Nazi Germany. And that was only 80, uh, or, or, uh, 80 years ago uh, while the world looked on. Without it, with no outcry at all. That was 80 years ago. And uh, there were 9 million Jews back in 1939 in Europe. At the end of that, there were 3 million Jews in Europe. That, that is mind boggling. And that happened while the world looked on. It wasn't until uh, there was a, a concerted effort by some people to demand that the world pay attention to what happened at these, at these death camps that forced the world uh, out of a tremendous amount of shame and guilt to rally and the nation of Israel was born. It, was, it would only happen because it was such an egregious violation. But the truth was back in the 1930s and the rise, you know, the Olympics, you want an interesting thing, read about Avery Brundage, he's the father of the, Olymp the, the modern Olympics. And uh, when they were going to have the Olympics in Berlin, Germany in 1936, Adolf Hitler was going to show the world what a, what a vision he had and the massive construction projects uh, all over there. and and. Uh, they uh, removed uh, the signs that uh, forbade Jews from going. They, they, they tried to create this idea that it wasn't true. And people were coming to Avery Brundage and saying, this guy is persecuting Jews. He's arresting them. He already had secret camps. Uh, he's torturing them. They're not allowed to work. They're being uh, horribly mistreated. Uh, all, all the things that you and I all take for granted they were told him and he, he didn't care. He insisted on having the Olympics there, giving him that platform uh, because the, uh, the, the problem wasn't just in Germany. That's what I'm saying. It was a bias uh, that many of the elites in Europe, elites here in America, if I were naming names, and men like Henry Ford, Walt Disney, that uh, they were like, well, you know, it's exaggerated. Joe Kennedy, that's President Kennedy's father. These men all, during all of this, uh, there's a problem that's been in the world for a lot longer than Hitler. There's an anti-bias, there, uh, there's an anti-Israeli bias in the world. Okay, let me just give you, a, let's get uh, these scriptures. I just want you to just give you a couple of biblical reference points. Zechariah 12 verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so this is a, a, these are future prophecies, but here's one. He says that Jerusalem is going to be a cup of drunkenness, that the world is going to be drunk with hatred towards Jerusalem. You know, Israel is a tiny state. I think today it's five million people. Jerusalem is a a nice city, but it's not a massive city. And yet, why does it always make the front page? Why is it always the story? He says it's going to be a cup of drunkenness. And the, the culmination of world history, as we understand it, is going to end up at Jerusalem. That's, that's, that's the Bible. It's not Khartoum. It's not going to be Cairo. It's not going to be Athens. It's not going to be... Montevideo, you know, it's not, it's, it's Jerusalem. This, this is the center point, and it's the thing that it, it makes people crazy. And it's still true today. You know, you, you no doubt probably heard that during this, uh, during the month of May in uh, Los Angeles, on West Los Angeles, is a large Jewish population. Palestinians were driving around, or people that identify with the Palestinian cause with flags, drove by an outdoor restaurant where some people were eating, jumped out and ran and began beating patrons. Uh, they were literally saying, who is Jewish? Who is Jewish? And then beating them. That's, that's, that's 1930s Germany. And that happened in West Los Angeles uh, two months ago. And there was no outrage. There was no outrage in this country. 
there is, an, there is a drunkenness about Israel that began way back when God gave Abraham that promise that exists today. Uh, Ezekiel uh, 38, 8 through 13. After many days you will be visited. In the latter years you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations, and now all of them dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dadan, and merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and good, gold, to take away livestock and goods to take great plunder? So uh, here is Ezekiel, and he says that in the last days, you know, just for time, we didn't read all the verses there, but in the last days, Ezekiel says that from the north, he's going to come a great power. That northern power is going to have a confederacy, and that confederacy uh, includes uh, Persia, which is Iran. Today we know as Iran. And they're going to move against the nation of Israel. I believe that that's referring to Russia and Iran partnering together with some other Middle Eastern countries to move against Israel. And uh, Israel at the time is described as a people who have been gathered from all nations, have come back, and now they are an extremely prosperous country. And this move is going to happen. I absolutely believe it's going to happen. And what is interesting, though, is it describes the onlooking nations that are watching this, merchants. And, uh, you know, they say the young lions and people say, well, that identifies the Commonwealth nations. England is a lion, and, you know, and nations like America that's birthed out of lion. You know, I, I get that a lot of that is conjecture, but that the nations that are there observing are doing nothing about it. They're asking questions. Are you come to take a spoil? that nobody's going to come to the defense of Israel, that Israel is going to be attacked by Russia with this confederacy of Middle Eastern nations. And when they move, the nations of the world are going to do nothing about it. You know, in 1853, I'll never forget, this is, you know, 1853, almost 100 years before Israel became a nation, a pastor spoke before a joint session of Congress. How many know that would never happen again? But, and he, and he read out of Ezekiel 38 and predicted that Russia, who in 1853 was a backward, a backward nation. And he described that one day Russia will become a powerful nation and move against the state of Israel, which wouldn't exist for a hundred years. And so here we are today, look at the political uh, dynamics of the world that we live in right now. Israel is now a nation. It is now a prosperous nation that has come back from the four corners of the world. You have a bad actor in Vladimir Putin and uh, in Russia. Russia right now, because of what happened with ISIS, is presently in Syria next door. You have a hostile Persia, Iran. There is an anti-Israeli bias in the world today. And, uh, and so, uh, Let's think about this. Put up the quote by Golda Meir. Golda Meir, uh, I remember when she was the prime minister of Israel back in the early 1970s. She said, Israel has a secret weapon. We have no place to go. They're going to stand their ground. You know, in 1973, in the Yom Kippur War, where they were not prepared, uh, out of that, she was actually the prime minister. She, she lost her job after it was over because they weren't prepared. Yom Kippur is the highest holiday. It's the Day of Atonement in Israel. And so it was, their, it was their Christmas day, if you will. And the Arab nations attacked right there and nearly overran them. 
I was, we were in Israel and they took us to the bridge where uh, the Syrians, when they were moving, they had so surprised that they weren't ready. And so they were expecting this incredible resistance that never came and they got to a certain bridge. They went so much further than they thought they were going to get on the first day that they thought it must be a trap and they stopped. Had they continued going, the war would have ended on the first day. But they were panicked because they thought we're being lured into a trap. It's the hand of God, really, that prevented them from going forward. And on that, after that first day, Israel was so surprised that they actually armed their jets with nuclear bombs. You heard what she said. She was the prime minister. This is it for us. There is no uh, round two. There is no, nothing. If, 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 you're, if it's going to come down to that, then we're, we're all going down. And they armed their nuclear bombs. And, uh, and so uh, this is their posture because they are, are up against it all the time. So um, I want to uh, give you some examples, if you allow me to, this morning. And uh, we'll open it up, uh, have some time, hopefully, to open up for some questions. But uh, I just simply have some uh, various stories to illustrate the egregious bias that's in our media uh, against Israel. And so I'm doing this to equip you. I'm doing this so that uh, when you are, you know, casually following the news, that you kind of understand where things are coming from. And I, I want you to understand that this is, a, this is more than just somebody being a, a progressive or, or nothing like that. This is the demon spirit. Anything that would drive Nazi Germany to do what they did, if you read about the pogroms that took place in, in Russia, against Jewish people, it's a demon. That demon spirit, which hates God and hates the people of God and the revelation of God that flowed through the Jewish people is alive and well in the earth today and it will not get better, it will get worse. The culmination is against the state of Israel because it is an antichrist spirit, it is an anti-God spirit. You know, it's very interesting if you take time to read this stuff, uh, our friends at Wikipedia and places like that really try to make the argument that it is Christians who persecute, persecute Jews. That it's Christians and it comes from, uh, 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 you know, where uh, the pilot is, uh, uh, you know, has the Lord Jesus and in their defiance, you know, they're saying that uh, our king is Caesar and his blood be upon our hands. That's what, those, that's what the mob said that day. And so they, you know, over the years, you've had uh, religious people who have used that to justify this anti-God anti spirit in, in persecuting Jews. And, but, and so you're gonna read, it's gonna be, well, it's Christians. Now, you know, the crazy thing about when I got saved, I loved the state, I learned to love the state of Israel. I didn't make me anti-Jewish at all being to see how God worked through these people. So I, 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 I don't have to defend my, my faith because of a bunch of religious uh, people who are just, you know, gonna act like sinners like anybody else. So anyway, okay. On October 28th, 2018, on the official Palestinian Authority TV program, Palestine This Morning, I guess that'd be like, Good Morning America. A black and white image was shown of an appallingly large group of dead bodies lying in a neat rows on the ground. The caption was, 70 years since the occupation's massacre at the village of Al-Dawayima. It was shocking, but it was false. The photo actually dates from 1945 and shows Jewish victims in the Nazi concentration camp of Nordhausen. Even more audacious than taking a photo of Jewish victims of mass murder, and claiming that it depicted Jews perpetuating mass murder in that the, is that the Palestinian media had used the same photo in April 2018, claiming that it depicted Arab victims of Jews not in Dalai Lama, but in Dair Yassin. So, you know, just, if you didn't catch what you just read, they took photos of dead uh, Jewish people from uh, the concentration camps and presented them and said, these are Palestinians that were killed by Jews back in 1947. This is on TV. 
This is new. This is good morning of Palestine. You know, they'd have the weather and they'd tell a couple of stupid jokes uh, and all that. And then they, and they would do this. That kind of shows you where we're at. It's, I, I just want you to understand, this is what we're talking about. This is egregious stuff where truth isn't even the issue. Abdullah al-Safin, you have that. I'll do a, Abdullah al-Safin who described himself on Twitter as a journalist and media trainer on August 9, 2018, tweeted a photo of a cute smiling toddler with this explanation. This baby, Bayan Abu Kamish, two years old, was killed last night along with her pregnant mother when an Israeli rocket hit their house in Gaza Strip town, uh, in the Gaza Strip town of, up. Uh, uh, anyway, the baby, Bayan Abu, <laughs> the photo, however, was not of Bayan Abu Kamish at all, but of an American girl named Ellie Lively McBroom. Al-Safin, or his source, picked up the little girl's photo from Instagram, apparently at random, in order to present the world with another Israeli atrocity. So this is what we're talking about. Because truth is not an issue here. Accuracy is not an issue. It is a narrative that is being pushed about, look at these terrible things. Uh... Uh, unfortunately, the Palestinian state, when they fight, use mosques and schools to launch from, to invite uh, an attack, so then they can turn around and say, look, they hit a hospital, a mosque, or a school. Um, I tell you, let me stop right here really quickly. Anybody here, you have anything you want to contribute? Beto and Chris. Be brief, guys. Got to stop. Right, let's move on time. So, Beto. Yes, uh, recently, I was reading an article how a congressional committee voted against replenishing the Iron Dome, talking about anti-Israel, replenishing the Iron Dome that protects Israel when Palestinians are launching rockets. And that was, uh, it wasn't surprising to me. Um, but, you know, it, it goes with what you're saying about the anti-Israel, you know, spirit, the anti-God spirit. And then I was happy to read another article that Israel has now tested and been successful in laser, uh, laser warfare, which is very good because now they don't have to depend on, on you know, Americans turning against them, congressional Americans. Yeah. So, and it, 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 was, it was just God blessing them with that kind of technology and knowledge of how they, it's been successful for them to shoot down missiles with laser uh, capacity. That, yeah. that, was, that was awesome. And I, I do have a question for you, Pastor, because the Bible says that, I will, you know, tells Israel, I will bless, God tells Israel, I will bless those that bless thee and curse thee that curse thee. And as I see America change administrations, how, you know, some administrations are pro-Israel. And some are against it. Would that, I'm sure that would affect us, right, in the future. Well, well you know, you're right. And uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, without, you know, I know, how could you say this? I'm going to say it. He made Jerusalem the uh, uh, capital of Israel and the recognized capital of Israel, moving the embassy there, and uh, uh, ratified that the Golan Heights belonged to Israel. Those are huge deals. And so you're right. Let's see how the promise works. Joe Biden just gave $450 million to the Palestinian Authority after the, after the attack, saying, but none of it will go to buy weapons. So we're good about that. We don't have to worry. And so, yeah, these things do play out. And America has always been Israel's greatest ally. And if it ceases to be, you know, then you're going to have problems. Uh, Chris. One of the very frustrating things is to hear when people make the case against Israel, they do it from a moral platform, how Israel's immoral, um, what's being done. That's, that's, the, that's the stance. And the, the frustrating thing is especially American liberals are in general are very anti-Israel, pro-Palestine. And the irony is, is that um, the, the moral argument of it is such nonsense. It's like the, the idea that you're pro-abortion, that any woman could have the right to choose to terminate a life. But your anti-capital punishment that even if someone's guilty of murder like you cannot take that person's life 
And in, in a place where in, out of one side, you know, you say, um, we're afraid of losing democracy in America, but the only democracy in the Middle East, they attack Israel yeah. that's surrounded. Um, they talk about tolerance and it's one of the only places in the Middle East where gay people are allowed to live and, and you know, live out their life uh, with legal protections yeah. and they're have their, you know, thrown off of buildings and stuff and they're the neighboring states. And it just shows that there's something completely different at work there and it is demonic. Uh, because it's it's always on the side of of uh, of of evil. To be honest, yeah. it's on the side of no accountability, no answering for your your sins or behavior. And uh, but when you hear these arguments, it always has these moral underpinnings. That's the platform they try to make them from. How they're bad because of this or that. But there's just no continuity from one argument to another. How do you? How are you against this democracy? How are you against this? It yeah, and sense. so the little lesson in life, when you deal with people like that, like you said, there's no uh, logic or thread to their uh, problems. It's a spirit. You're dealing with a spirit. It has nothing to do with logic. You know, it's a spirit. You can put a little sonogram on top of a pregnant woman and to the modern technology, it's a baby in there. And yet they'll look at you, no, you know, I'm pro-choice. And it's not logical. Let's look at it again. But it, we're talking about, you're talking about a spirit. And what we're talking about here really is that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to one last scripture in a minute. But it's important that we understand that. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, Hamas was so anxious to have Palestinian civilian casualties that it could parade before the world in order to gain propaganda victories that in April 2018, as protests raged at the Gaza border, the terror group offered $500 to Palestinians for getting shot and wounded at the border, and $3,000 to the families of those who got themselves killed during the protests. Because it's a propaganda war. Propaganda. This is not, there's nothing in the, you gotta understand, there was, there was it wasn't like uh, back uh, in, uh, couple months ago that the Palestinian Authority said, you know, we're going to move on it. We're going to take them. We're going to conquer them. It, no, no. It was because we feel like we have a sympathetic person in the White House in America. Uh, we're going to make ourselves victims again. We're going to get a few of us shot and killed, hopefully some children. And the world's going to once again sympathize. Like I said, Within a week of this happening, I've seen people driving around San Antonio, liberate Palestine, which tells me that those bumper stickers were already made before the first rocket was even launched. And, and this is a propaganda war. And they, for a couple of years ago, they, they had no sympathy. You wanna know why uh, Saudi Arabia and some of the Middle Eastern countries for the first time ever allowed direct lights between Jerusalem, you know, and Dubai and uh, Jerusalem and Qatar and all those places, uh, because uh, uh, up until then, American policy was if we have to solve the Palestinian-Israel problem in order to be able to solve the larger Middle East problem. And uh, the president at that time tried to do that. The Palestinians tried to play the same game they always play. And he said, I'm done with you. And he went past them to all these nations and, and created a modicum of peace. And that all just got reversed, rolled back. And so, uh, 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 you know, so you're talking about a spirit. Uh, uh, okay, here's the next one. The Israeli Defense Forces in May 2018 released footage of Palestinian protesters at the Gaza border carrying a wounded man on a stretcher. At one point, the injured person falls off the stretcher and simply walks away obviously unhurt. In another clip, riders take children as young as five to the border where they throw rocks at IDF personnel. Clearly, those who took them were there hoping they would be injured or killed so that they could be exploited for propaganda purposes. I mean, no, you don't take your five-year-old to a riot. And you certainly don't put a rock in their hand. So this is what we're talking about. This is where we are. Is an, there's, there, they understand something, these Palestinians. There's an anti-Israeli bias. And if we will create the images that tap into that, then we're going to have the world on our side. And I remember, I got a personal observation. 
couple of them. When we moved to Tucson, Arizona back in uh, 19, at the end of 1970, uh, we lived in just east of the University of Arizona campus. My, my brother still lives in that house. I, it's been 50 years since we moved there. And uh, the neighborhood that we moved in, the western part, the eastern, that little area was a lot of the professors and people that worked at the university and just had, it was that kind of atmosphere. And there was a, quite a few Jews in our, in our school, the little school that we went to, Sam Hughes. I would say that probably 30, 35% of the kids in that school were Jews. And when it was a Jewish holiday, there was a substantially group, large group. We, you know, when, back in those days, when uh, during Christmas, we would sing Christmas carols. I don't think they allow you to do that anymore. Uh, but then we would also sing Hanukkah songs too, uh, because of the, there was a tremendous amount of influence. I've mentioned before that uh, several of the people, kids that were in my class, parents were uh, uh, in concentration camps. Uh, one of my friends going to his house and his father, you know, he had the tattoo and, you know, and they would come and speak to us about the Holocaust. They would, you know, this was part of my growing up experience. I remember uh, in 1973, when the Arab-Israeli war happened, that you could feel it in our neighborhood. You know, there was a, it was a very short war, but it, at the beginning, and it was, it was palpable. I remember that there were some families that lived in our neighborhood that as soon as that war ended, just packed up and moved to Israel. And so, uh, you know, this is, this, this is very real. These are real people, these are real situations. And I'm sure that's true for every Jewish community. My father actually, uh, um, you know, there was a Jewish community center right there. And so we actually got a, a membership there because they had a gym and a swimming pool. And so instead of the YMCA, we went there. I, I don't know what deeper meaning was there, but uh, uh, we played ball with them. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, this was kind of world. So you kind of, I guess, maybe we're just a little more aware because so many of our friends were there, although we didn't have these kind of discussions. Um, you know, this is real and has a real effect in America. One of the disappointing things about American, uh, American Jews, particularly the wealthy, is they show no sympathy for at all for the state of Israel. Not at all. They're like these uh, characters in the, in the Bible that uh, cry out against Moses and are always questioning Anyway, um, let me just look at this verse and then uh, I'll open it up one more time. Revelation 16. So here we go. We go all the way now to the end of the Bible. And it says, uh, did I give that out to somebody? Yeah, Brian, there you go. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. And this water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons, performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. For fear he walks naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. So here we come towards the very end. And the Bible describes the, uh, the drying up of the Euphrates River. And just, you can look it up on your own afterwards. That capacity is available now because of the dams that have been built. And the idea being that it would create a pathway for the kings of the east to move towards the Valley of Armageddon, which is Megiddo, and you can stand on Mount Carmel and you can, you can overlook this. And uh, Israel being the crossroads of the world from south, north, and east. And they're going to come right here. But the, what I want to highlight, if you put up that first part of that verse again there for a moment there, the Bible, the next, it says uh, that it describes these frogs. Put up the next panel there. And the Bible says they are evil spirits that look like frogs that compel the kings of the East. Remember what I said, that the anti-Israeli bias is spiritual. 
and in its final manifestation, it is going to, it is, you realize this is something spiritual. And when we talk about this conflict with Israel and Palestine, I have no grievance with Palestinian people. I've met Palestinian people. I'm not against, I'm not judging everyone. I'm saying that when you look at these nation states and the way Palestine is used to give expression to this spirit, an excuse, a rationale, a justification. You know, back in the days of Hitler after World War I and Germany was completely crushed, completely crushed. And England and France, when they defeated them, literally put their boot on them and pressed down. And they had nothing. Inflation went through the roof. You'd have to have, they said, a, 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 a giant trash bag full of cash to buy a loaf of bread. Their money was worthless. And, uh, and what they did is they, that spirit, this is Jewish, Jewish bankers are behind what, what they did. This is what has put us in this position. And that finally manifested in the Holocaust. It's an anti-Jewish spirit. It's a demon spirit and it finds expression in every way. And, uh, and it is right in front of us. And uh, we can talk about it, we can make you aware of it, but you just read the future. Ezekiel 38, Zechariah 12, the trouble, it'll make the world drunk. And John says that there's coming, there's going to come a battle. The nations of the world are going to move against Israel. That is going to happen. That spirit is going to finally have full expression at the conclusion of the tribulation period. Amen. You know what? That's why I live for Jesus and I'm going to be raptured and I'm going to watch it uh, from uh, upstairs. Amen and see it come down. Okay, I have a couple of minutes. Uh, we got uh, Kim and Dan. Okay, last two. So I was thinking of something that, uh, off of what Chris and Bethel said, where uh, situational ethics and emotional rationale has kind of become the norm instead of the rule of law and the truth. Right. And so what it, what it does is it, it, you know, it removes the truth out of the whole situation. How much more do we kind of have that in America with our current, you know, political environment where you, you can take any kind of political argument from BLM to the borders or in, you know, uh, political uh, opinions and all of that. But you see the same trend where the emotional narrative is the lead in the whole thing versus um, what's truth, what are the facts. And, you know, it's the same thing, you know, it, it parallels because the Bible's the truth. You know, this is the way, walk you in it. This is what's truth, this is what's right. This is how you enter the kingdom of heaven. But no, at that point, then you're judgmental or you're being intolerant and it's taking the simple things and turning it into an emotional argument. Yeah, and what can you do when things are emotional, okay? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to get in trouble. Uh, we're a small time online, but uh, th there's no other explanation for the whole transgender movement has nothing to do with science, biology, civil rights or anything. It has to do with one person's feelings and the entire world changing for their feelings. And that, that is the highest expression of what you're just talking about. And if anybody here ever dealt with somebody who felt sorry for themselves, when they're in that mode, they could care less. One of the things that I've learned over the years, I've dealt with people that are having uh, mental and emotional issues that when people are locked in that way, they're extremely selfish. They have no clue or appreciation of how their decisions are affecting everybody around them. And so, and, and we're seeing that extremely elevated today. Dan Yoder. Okay, I was just thinking uh, about the things that uh, separate Christians from the unbelieving world and you can look at a lot of things, you know, hey, they believe the Bible, they go to church, but there's nothing, listening to the Sunday school, there's nothing more distinct than uh, a person's uh, attitude or relationship or perspective to, to Israel, you know, and so if there's anything I think that divides 
Christians from the unbelieving world is the perspective or your attitude towards Israel. You know, and I would say, you know, like, you know, the majority of Christians are like for Israel and the majority of those that don't have a spiritual um, uh, relationship with God, uh, the majority of them are automatically against Israel. And so it seems like just like a big sifting thing. Israel's a big sifter. Yeah, I, evangelical Christians. Yeah, for you to qualify it. You know, I, uh, yeah, the largest supporter of Israel is evangelical Christians in America. And they know that. Everybody knows it. Uh, National Council of Churches doesn't do it and, uh, or anything like that. But uh, absolutely, uh, the, yeah, the Israel gains its support uh, from evangelicals, folks like you and I, than by even uh, Jews in America. And uh, it's why? Because God said, I will bless them that bless you. And we absolutely believe that. So you need to pray. The Bible says pray for Jerusalem. Pray for this nation. Mainly, we did this Sunday school to help you just have a, be able to process as this information comes. It's going to get worse, folks. It's not going to get better. It's going to be more intense. I, I wish I had more time to go into some of the other issues that are there. Uh, listen, uh, I, I do want to just offer this. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Jewish Christian. Okay, you know, I come from a part of, the, of, of uh, my family on my father's side and there's from my relatives that say, well, you know, we're, you know, uh, you know, the, they called them conversos. These were Jews that were converted in Spain to Catholicism, came to America and, you know, and, but it, I'm, I am an heir of the promises of Abraham by faith, not by blood. And so I, I, I'm not into that. I don't think, you know, I've had people, well, you know, I met this Jewish Christian and we had a cedar and, and they start wearing, you know, the prayer shawl and the yarmulke and all this stuff. That doesn't make you closer to God. The Apostle Paul spent most of his time writing saying that stuff means jack. That's a paraphrased version. Uh, but uh, so, you know, I don't want this to be this thing now. I'm a Jewish. You be a Christian. Okay. Be a Christian. And as a Christian, say, you know what? God raised these people up and used him to reveal himself. But most of all, the Messiah came, fulfilled what the Jewish people could never fulfill so that I could be saved. Okay, we're going to stop right here. We'll pick up service in a few minutes.